What you are about to hear is a labor of love, our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it's time for the ultra-mega top 10 albums of 2005, according to me, myself, and I, Joey, here at Rock Strikes 10 your fearless host that has taken a lot of time and listening to a ton of records from the year 2005, going back in time to still probably to date the greatest year of his professional life as a manager at a lowly CD store and having a lot of fun doing it. And these are mostly the albums I was listening to then with some exception. We're actually past all the albums that I didn't listen to so much at the time. We are into the ones that I have a lot of nostalgia for. And uh, this is going to be a great episode, so why waste time? Starting off, of course, with number 10. This is an album where, okay, so I, I've mentioned before on some of these past Countdown episodes uh, how it was like the peak of like indie snobbery going on at the time. And, you know, I, I took a lot of exception to it. I definitely probably took it way too personally. This wasn't an attack on me. It was I just felt like it was kind of an attack on my music and my culture, but, you know, whatever. I mean, they can have their fun, too. They don't seem to have a lot of fun, though. But anyway, uh, this one, I actually, my love of this album grew from really just kind of being, oh, it's all right, when I first heard it. And it was more of the resistance to it that made me love it more. Like, just the wanting to play it more when those kids came into the store. And it just, it's one of those albums that really grew on me. So, I, I love the record even more now than ever. And it's not a very heralded album in the band's catalog, but I definitely think it deserves a reassessment here in the overall grand scheme of things. But yes, Weezer, with the album Make Believe, came out on May 10th of 2005. It was their fifth studio album, co-produced by Rick Rubin, Chad Bamford, and Weezer. So it's actually produced by Chad Bamford and Weezer, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, peaked at number two in the U.S. Billboard Top 200 and topped off at number one in the great land of Canada. And uh, yeah, like I said, I mentioned all of the snobbery revolving around this. There's a very infamous review from a very famous hipster website where they tell everybody, you know, what to think and how to think and all that stuff. And they really insist on their opinions. And you probably know what it is, so I'm not going to mention their name. But they infamously gave this album 0.7 out of 10 stars, which... That's just stupid. I mean, that is really, you hated everything about this going in, plus you hated, like, the last two albums on top of it going in. That's the kind of review that you write when you're like that. So, for that reason at the time, I remember that. It, that's what kind of put me on this album. And it's just one of those albums. The more I listened to it, the more I loved it. 
And I'm a Weezer fan anyway, but I'm definitely critical of their bad albums. This is not a bad Weezer album at all. It's got some great stuff on it. And uh, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. So I just kind of went with a random song, one that I just kind of go back to a lot. So there you go. Just want a nice opener for the show here. So kicking off the show here with the number 10 album of 2005 from the Make Believe album. This is Weezer with This Is Such A Pity. Kicking off the show here today, coming in at number 10 with the Make Believe album, that was Weezer with This Is Such A Pity. Uh, if you're not aware of this, there's a really wacky fan video of this out there, and I think the band has pretty much embraced it for the most part. But someone just took the audio of this song 
and just edited it around uh, this particular episode of the old TV show ALF from the 80s. And I actually watched it when I was a kid. And I remember this episode. It was the episode where they had a bunch of musical instruments in the garage uh, temporarily. And ALF shot a music video that he like wrote and performed. And so they, they took all of that footage and put it around this song. And it actually works pretty well. <laughs> It's it's shocking how well it, it does. And there was another fan video from this album for the We Are All On Drugs song where someone just took it and matched it up to a Grim Reaper video. I don't know which video it was, though. But anyway, yeah, a lot of fun right there. Yeah, so if you've never heard that album before or if you haven't listened to it in a while, give it another shot. It's actually a really good album. Yeah, coming up to number nine here. A lot of these artists will not be surprises that they're on my list here because these are bands that I play a lot on the show. And this one is no exception. So, yes... One of my favorite bands of all time, Hanoi Rocks. Yes, they put out an album in 2005. It was their seventh studio album. It was released on March 30th of 2005. Produced by Andy McCoy and Michael Monroe. Actually billed as the Muddy Twins. A little nice take on the Toxic Twins or the uh, Glimmer Twins, if you will. So, uh, yeah, and, and I still actually don't own a physical copy of this album. It has never been officially released like in the United States. And all the copies are just, you know, they're just too expensive for a CD. I think it's dumb, but I've been listening to this album for years, you know, on the YouTubes of the world and stuff like that. So I want to thank a friend of the show and just a cool guy overall, this guy Gary from Houston. Awesome. This guy has the spirit of rock and roll flowing through every ounce of his body. He is the man. So thanks, Gary, for finally hooking me up with some audio that I could actually have put on my iPod, played in the car and all that stuff. Hey, it's not our fault, man. Make it available. You know, not a good proper vinyl release either. There's no good proper vinyl releases for any of the comeback Hanoi Rocks albums here in America, which is sad anyway. But yes, getting back to the actual album itself, the album is called Another Hostile Takeover. It followed the 12 Shots on the Rocks album, which that's a great comeback album. It's one of the greatest comeback albums of all time. So it honestly kind of falls short of that album for sure as far as greatness goes because that's probably, if I had to do a countdown for that year, that would probably be near the top. Uh, But this album is still pretty damn good. You know, and and even like a kind of a, you know, that's a pretty good album, you know, there by Hanoi Rocks. It's better than most bands' albums, that's for sure. Obviously, it came in at number nine and I promise I didn't give it any favoritism at all. I was very honest with my rankings here. So there you go, number nine. Another Hostile Takeover by Hanoi Rocks. And I'm going to play you this song right here. This one's called You Make the Earth Move.
Alright, you hear a song like that, and you know that I'm not showing favoritism. That's just some badass stuff right there. So there you go. Hanoi Rocks with You Make the Earth Move from the album. Another hostile takeover. The number nine album of 2005, according to me. Moving over here to number eight. Uh, this is definitely, if you had to like, I guess call it or categorize something, this is probably the prog rock album of the year. But from an unlikely source. Uh, you know, they're not known really as a prog rock band. I don't really know what they're known as. They're just a great band, honestly. Uh, but yeah, the Mars Volta. And when they first came out, I, I liked their first album. You know, it was it was all right. And uh, I'm sure if I went back and listened to it, I'd like it a lot more. But honestly, I just haven't revisited it in a long time. Uh, but I remember when Francis the Mute came out here in 2005. Came out on March 1st, by the way. Obviously, their second album. And... Yeah, it just really resonated with me. I thought it was so cool, and there were so many, like, it, it wasn't new sounds per se, but it was just like a new twist on old sounds that were really great. And there's like moments of like the best epic parts of Zeppelin. You know, there's like, you know, some Mariachi stuff in there. There's some Cubano stuff. And there's just rock and roll. Like, it's just got a lot of cool stuff going on on the record. It's it's hard to categorize, and that's one of the reasons I love it. Uh, so let's finish up with the stats here. Produced by one of the band's leaders, Omar Rodriguez-Lopez, and peaked at number four in the United States on the album chart. Topped out at number one on the Norwegian album chart. There you go, a little shout-out to the Norwegian area. And uh, here's another fun credit that I found within the liner notes here. David Campbell arranged all the strings and horns and piano arrangements, uh on this album if you know david campbell actually the father of beck yeah and uh he was the you know he he does a lot of the rock symphony stuff he he did the kiss alive Four symphony thing so that you might recognize him from that but he did a ton of stuff so yeah that guy's got a resume but yeah just the fact that he's on there that's kind of cool uh but yeah getting back to the album itself francis the mute the best Mars Volta album still to this day. And they put out some interesting albums. But, uh, and this one, I'm going to play you a really long song, which was actually released as a single. And I always hated the fact that it was a single because that would uh, mean, of course, that it got edited down to like almost nothing. It's like a dream theater song becoming a single and they make one of the long ones and it just chop it down to nothing. I hate that. So I'm going to play you the whole damn song. But this is easily in like my top five songs of the entire year. So I had to play it here on the countdown. So... Check this out. Maybe you haven't heard this in a while or heard it ever. This one is a monster. So here you go. This is the Mars Volta with Elvia Elviake.
There you go. Hope you made it for the long haul right there. Elvia Iviake, if my Spanish is correct. And yes, that whole song is sung in Spanish, but the whole album is not, just so you know, in case you were scared about that for some stupid reason. Uh, it's a great record. Francis the Mute by the Mars Volta. Great stuff right there. And uh, by the way, another fun fact. I mentioned that David Campbell was on this record, but also playing the lead guitar on that track you just heard was John Frusciante. Uh, of course, Famously known as one of the lead guitar players for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The, their most famous lead guitar player, for sure. We're all the way up to number seven here on the countdown. This album was released on July 12th of 2005. It was this band's fourth full-length album. Because they put out an EP prior to this, which was a great EP also, by the way. And I'm just a big fan of this band regardless. But The International Noise Conspiracy... Uh, a band that came out of the ashes of Refused when they broke up in the late 90s. Yeah, just a cool punk rock band with a lot of elements of 60s British invasion. So just a, they definitely had a different flavor and take on things. And so I just think this band is so super cool. And I was really, really hoping that this was going to be the album that finally brought them some, you know, fame and fortune, if you will. Because uh, they got signed to American Records and they actually had Rick Rubin producing the album. Now, I've, I've picked on Rick Rubin as far as not being a great producer. He's a good A&R man, uh, but he notoriously doesn't really produce his album so much as, as his engineer does. But, you know, I at least thought with the name attachment that this band would finally get some proper attention. And it was anything but. This album was dead on arrival. It didn't do anything. I don't even know if they got any good tours. Not enough to come to my area, at least. So, yeah, this really hurts. Like, this band should have been decently big. At least big enough to play, like, you know, big clubs and big theaters and stuff like that. I don't know. But it, it's just upsetting. But we'll always have the music, right? This is not even my favorite album by him, but it's a scorcher nonetheless. And yeah, I, I literally just threw a dart and picked this song in a sense because this whole album is pretty smoking. So here you go. From the album Armed Love, this is International Noise Conspiracy and the title track. <laughs>
playing there mixed in with all the great uh, attitude and, and energy and punk rock and stuff like that 
That was actually Billy Preston on the organ right there. So I was like, wait a second. I think they had an organ player early on, but, uh, you know, I just figured I was looking up the names of the uh, acts on this and the credits, and I was like, oh my God, Billy Preston. So yeah, there you go. Fun surprise. Billy Preston playing the organ on that, uh, also known as the Fifth Beatle. Uh, and yeah, apparently on the, uh, a lot of the rest of the album, when Billy's not playing, I think he just only plays on that one song maybe or something like that. But Bit Montech of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers fame plays a lot of the other organ parts on this album. So there you go, a little fun fact there. Another reason to check out this great album. It's called Armed Love. The band is International Noise Conspiracy. Go check them out. All right, number six. Probably my favorite artist of all time here, Alice Cooper. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. Alice Cooper comes in at number six with an album that he put out on August 2nd of 2005. It was his 17th studio album produced by a guy named Steve Lindsay. And I'm enough of a fan, I can probably whip this one off right here. Uh, The lineup of this album was Alice, uh, Ryan Roxy, Damon Johnson, Chuck Garrick was definitely already there by then, Chuck Garrick on bass, and Tommy Clufetos on drums. Uh, Eric Singer is actually like used for all the imaging and pictures uh, of the band portrayal in this album, but he doesn't play on it at all. <laughs> he did the tour prior to that, and uh, yeah, so there. Yeah, I don't know why he's pictured on there, but he doesn't play on it at all. But yeah, there you go. Alice Cooper. The album is Dirty Diamonds, and this is a really part of like Alice's like great kind of like garage throwback kind of era. The Eyes of Alice Cooper definitely did a lot to service this, you know, kind of bring him back into what he used to do back in the early Alice Cooper group days. And uh, there's a lot to love about this album. I, I think it's a lot of fun. It's got a ton of humor to it. It's actually one of his more humorous albums. But as typical Alice, most of all the lyrics are pretty great. There's a couple of cheesy songs in there that don't really hit. But it's definitely in the uh, upper to middle echelon of great Alice Cooper records of all time. So, Oh yeah, and by the way, it peaked at number 169 on the U.S. album charts. It did crack the top 20 of the Billboard Independent album charts coming in at number 17. Uh, but yeah, also more notably, it had a great Record Store Day release couple of years ago so yeah i finally was able to get that on vinyl and not to pay stupid prices on it and for some reason this was his only album to come out on new west records which uh was a independent subsidiary but they're mostly known for putting out americana music and country music so yeah i thought that was really weird i was like hey new west records that's interesting uh but yeah there you go all these nerdy facts aside dirty diamonds is a very solid record you should definitely check it out and and there's a lot of really cool like stones-esque rockers to represent this album for sure But I'm actually going to play kind of, I guess, one of the ballads on the album because there's some really stellar ballads on this. Usually, like, the albums that came out, like, post-2000, I thought all the ballads on there were, like, you know, just basically trying to write the next Only Women Bleed. And he would do it after this, too. But the ballads that he had on this album were super stellar. So I definitely like to focus on those as well. So giving a little different spin than what you might be used to with Alice, the song I'm going to use here to represent Dirty Diamonds is this song right here, Six Hours. Six hours Left in the day Time is so precious And it's slipping away Got no destination Got no place to go 
being with you Is all that I knew Put your head on my pillow We're finally alone Wash the dust from your head now I don't care if you ever get home Only six hours How quickly it goes In this sacred place A secret is safe Nobody knows Put your head on my pillow We're finally alone Watch it from your hand now I don't care if you ever get home Watch it dust from your hand now I don't care if you ever get home Yeah, to me, almost nothing beats a great epic Alice Cooper ballad uh, with just an amazing guitar solo at the end of it. There's almost nothing better than that for me. So there you go. Six hours. Fittingly coming in at number six here on the top 40 albums of 2005. So yeah, go check that record out for sure. Before we get to the top five of 2005, uh, I've got another surprise for you like we did on the previous episode with Randy coming on. Uh, Here's someone you haven't heard on Rock Strikes 10 in a long time. My hetero life mate, my best friend in the entire world, the C of CNJ Radio, Chris. Chris is going to come in here. And uh, Chris, the, the show that he does predominantly, you know, by himself, his his baby is the Last Theater podcast that we have here on cnjradio.com. And I, I put it to him. I was like, hey, you know, what are some of your favorite movies of 2005? You know, can we tie this into the countdown? And, you know, and graciously he said yes. He's always very busy with all of these podcasts and helping me get the website afloat and everything like that and contributing to his own shows like Last Theater and Wrestling House Show and stuff like that. But uh, he took the time out to do his favorite movies of 2005. And uh, so I'm going to leave it to him right now. So, yeah, take it away, Chris. Well, welcome to the Last Theater's portion of this episode of Rock Strikes 10. My name is Chris. And when I think of great years for movies... 
I don't necessarily think of 2005. And before Joey asked me to be a part of the best of 2005 countdown series, I don't know that I would have even been able to list my top 10 favorite movies from that year off the top of my head. But I've done my research and I've made my list, and if you'll indulge me for just a few minutes, I'd like to share that list with you right now. Now, if you've listened to The Last Theater before, which you can find on cnjradio.com, then you'll know it's dedicated to the darker and more horrific side of cinema, but tonight, since I am a guest on Rock Strikes 10, I'm going to present my 10 favorite movies that do not fall into the spectrum of horror, although number 10 on my list does work its way into the thriller genre. So, forging right ahead, my 10th favorite movie of 2005 is Hard Candy. Hard Candy stars Ellen Page as a young girl who meets a 30-something-year-old photographer, played by Patrick Wilson, and the movie takes a lot of dark twists and turns before its very, very memorable final act. If you don't know about Hard Candy, then the less I say the better, because it's worth experiencing with no prior knowledge. Movie number nine is The Baxter. What's The Baxter, you might ask? Well, it's a comedy starring, written and directed by Michael Showalter. The best way to quickly summarize The Baxter is, it's a story about the nice guy at the end of every romantic comedy that ends up getting dumped and left alone by the leading lady because she inevitably goes back to get with the jerk that she's been fawning over for the entire movie. The movie co-stars Elizabeth Banks, Michelle Williams, Michael Ian Black, and Peter Dinklage, and it's great. Number eight is Serenity. The movie wrap up to the tragically short-lived TV show Firefly. I still get sad and upset about a certain scene in Serenity, and if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Next up, number seven is Thank You for Smoking. Aaron Eckhart plays a spokesman for Big Tobacco, and it's a fantastic satirical comedy about truth and morality and, of course, cigarettes. Joey and I frequently quote this movie when talking about plots in other movies and about how to get them to work by inventing this something or other thing. My sixth favorite non-horror movie of 2005 is The Proposition. This is an Australian western where Guy Pearce stars as a grimy cowboy on a mission to kill his older brother in order to save his younger brother. I love westerns and I love Guy Pearce, so yes, I love this movie. Number five on my list is Linda, Linda, Linda. It's a Japanese teen drama slash comedy slash musical about three Japanese schoolgirls and one Korean exchange student who have to overcome their differences and learn to play some punk rock songs by the iconic Japanese punk group, The Blue Hearts. The music is great, the story's great, and the acting is great, and I love it. Plus, it introduced me to The Blue Hearts. My fourth favorite movie, which is easily the one I was most looking forward to before it came out, is Batman Begins. It's still one of the best representations of Batman on film, and the Scarecrow is in it. And that automatically makes it better than a whole bunch of other Batman movies that don't have the Scarecrow in it. Number three is an adaptation of one of my absolute favorite novels of all time, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think this movie has gotten even better with age because I appreciated the cast back then when I saw it for the first time, and I adore the cast now. So many good people, and it's just really, really funny. There were more adaptations from novels that I enjoyed during 2005, but this is easily the best. Number two is a movie that I don't watch nearly often enough, but it's great, and it's written and directed by a guy that I don't think I've ever seen anything of his that I don't like. The movie is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang by Shane Black. I think it's one of Black's lesser known, lesser appreciated movies, but if you like Shane Black, then you'll love this movie. So watch it. And that brings me to my number one non-horror movie of 2005. 
and that movie is Brick. Brick is a film noir, a genre that I adore, set in a modern-day high school. It has high school kids, including the star Joseph Gordon-Levitt, talking in this kind of 40 slang while adapting a hard-boiled detective story into a contemporary young adult setting. I try to tell people about this movie a lot, especially now that writer, director, and Ryan Johnson has become such a big deal over the years, so just watch it. And watch all of the movies on this list. They're all great, or I wouldn't be talking about them. And if you want, head over to The Last Theater on cnjradio.com, as I am currently doing a bit more research to find my top 10 horror movies of 2005. Finding 10 great horror movies from that year has been a little bit more work than just finding 10 great movies overall, because there were some less than great horror movies coming out during 2005. It was the era of sequels and remakes and more sequels and more remakes. So I'm doing a bit of digging, but when I get that episode ready to go, you'll be able to find it on The Last Theater. But for now, I'm going to hand things over back to Joey. Thanks for doing that, Chris, man. I really appreciate it. If you knew how busy Chris was in his everyday life, you would know just how awesome it was that he came in to do this part of the countdown and give his opinion on his favorite pieces of cinema there from 2005. And, uh, you know, not definitely not to outdo Chris, because his list is probably better than mine for sure. But I, I decided to get in on the fun. So just real quick before we get back to the music, I did make a, a top 10 movies that I thought were my favorite movies of 2005 in no particular order. These are the ones that I've seen the most and I enjoy the most and I still enjoy watching them. So yeah, here's my 10 in no order. Uh, the Assault on Precinct 13 remake. Better than it deserved to be, so I actually think it's uh, worth checking out. The original's still better, though. Uh, Sin City, super cool movie, super fun, of course. If you've seen it, you know it. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Seen this movie so many times, and I love it. If you've never seen it, go check it out. It was awesome. I'm glad I saw it in the theater, too. Uh, another movie I saw in the theater, of course. Who didn't? Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, it's not great, but it's the best one of the prequels, for sure. Uh, the, as far as Oscar fare, I don't get too much into Oscar fare, but Cinderella Man is the best acted, you know, best Oscar kind of fare of the entire 2005 for my money. So yeah, check out Cinderella Man. Great biopic. Batman Begins, of course, the beginning of the Christian Bale Batman movies. Christopher Nolan did a great job on them, of course. Uh, Devil's Rejects. I love Devil's Rejects. It's got its flaws, but I've seen it a lot and I really dig it for the most part as uncomfortable as it can be sometimes. But uh, yeah, Rob Zombie's best original movie for sure. Uh, another movie that I liked, I'm kind of surprised I liked it as much as I did, uh, but Domino. Yeah, I did not want to like this going in, but I do love me some Tony Scott, and uh, Domino is just a fun movie. It's it's really banal and crazy. It's kind of like Natural Born Killers meets Man on Fire. Uh, but yeah, check it out, Domino. Fun movie, actually. And I'm not going to spoil the great cameo towards the end because it kind of makes it. Uh, and probably the two best movies uh, overall for me uh, were Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Ice Harvest. Those two movies are very unheralded. Most people haven't seen them. I'm not trying to sound like a snob or anything, but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Ice Harvest are two movies you gotta see. They're great, so go check check out all those movies, and especially, of course, check out the ones that Chris recommended. So yes, let's get back to the music, and you'll see why I did that, because we're kind of re the show here with this. And uh, we're up to the top five. The upper crust. I mean, this whole top ten is definitely upper crust. I'd say top 20 on, like I said, are all records that you should own for sure. Uh, but yeah, this one right here, this is a big record for me. I saw this tour and it, it was great. It's one of the best rock and roll shows I've ever seen to this day. Uh, they actually had Weezer co-headlining with them. 
and they closed the night and they were just insanely good. Uh, I'd never seen this band live before and I still haven't since then. But if this has to be the only time I ever saw this band, then so be it because it, it was fucking amazing. Uh, but yeah, this album came out on June 14th of 2005. It was this band's fifth studio album and uh, co-produced by the band and Nick Raskalinas, who we heard about a lot on the top 100 albums of the 2010s. Uh, so yeah, great producer, great sound out of that guy. This album peaked at number two in the United States and it topped out at number one in Australia, Finland, New Zealand, and Sweden. I, I might even venture to say this is my favorite album by this band, maybe. I mean, they have so many great records. The Foo Fighters is who I'm talking about here. Uh, this album right here, and I feel like this is the ignored great album in their catalog, In Your Honor. And I think for sure the reason is they honestly could have just stopped at the first half of this album. It's a double CD upon arrival. And not that it's like terribly long. They're each like, you know, about 45 minutes a piece, the records here. Uh, but it was a neat concept. Uh, the first disc being like all heavy rock songs and the second disc being all more laid back acoustic type songs. Uh, but honestly, they could have just done the rock album and this probably would be considered their best album ever. If I, when I was ranking it, there wasn't one song on the rock half that didn't get a full point. So if they didn't have the second half of this album or the second disc of it, this is a perfect album. I think I wound up scoring it like 90 points or 95 or something like that. But yeah, there were a couple of songs on the acoustic side that just, you know, didn't really cut it. Uh, but yeah, that all being said, man, even if you just buy this album and just listen to the first half of it, it's so great. And it's got arguably one of the greatest opening songs in the history of recorded music. And uh, if I was going to put this in like the top list of like greatest intro songs ever, this would definitely make it. It definitely didn't hurt that I saw him open with this live when I saw him and it was just a crazy opener. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this thing is pure power from the get go. Uh, so I got to play it. It would have almost been worth it to make it number 10 just to kick off the show with this. But we're halfway through the show and I can't put this album any lower than number five. It's great. So here you go. The title track from the great Foo Fighters album, In Your Honor. Turn this one up.
All right. Blowing the back of your head out right there. The Foo Fighters with In Your Honor, of course, from the album of the same name. You should have that record. It's great. I still need to get it on vinyl. I'm guilty of not having it on vinyl, but uh, it'll definitely be worth it to get that. All right. Number four. A great band here from Sweden. Of course, one of my favorite places for music ever. The Helicopters, man. One of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. They put out their sixth studio record here on June 6th of 2005, produced by a guy named Chips K. Yeah, okay. The album is called Rock and Roll is Dead, of course, ironically titled, because this album definitely proves that it's not. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I get the joke. And uh, actually, I saw them on this tour, and they covered the Rubenu's song, Rock and Roll is Dead, uh, during the show. So awesome. And definitely one of the great rock and roll shows I have ever seen, for sure. I know I said the Foo Fighters was, but this was also. I saw them at a place that unfortunately no longer exists called the Lizard Lounge. And it was on my birthday. I think it was like uh, the birthday of the year after in 2006. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So, but yeah, just this is a killer rock and roll album. And, uh, you know, this I'm just going to play the opening track once again, because this one really sets the tone. So here you go. This is the Helicopters with Before the Fall. helicopters right there with before the fall from the album rock and roll is dead i say the late helicopters they're actually uh teasing some new shows if shows ever come back then apparently they're gonna do them so yeah let's make that happen uh, just that's all the reason i need to wear a mask fucking helicopters reunion i mean yeah they're probably not going to come to america but you know a fella can dream all right but yes if you love rock and roll then you love the helicopters you should have that record and all of their records 
All right, moving on to number three. Of course, also a big fan of this guy. Another guy that, you know, I'm holding my hopes out to ever play America. But yes, Ginger. Ginger Wildheart, officially just known as Ginger at this time. This was his first solo album. Came out just right there towards the end of the year, so it counts. This got officially released on December 19th of 2005. Man, talk about last minuteing it. Uh, but yeah, co-produced by Ginger and a guy named Ralph Jezzard. This album was uh, recorded in a bunch of different studios. Most notably for me, it was recorded over down there in Austin, Texas at Willie Nelson's studio. And apparently Ginger spent a lot of time out there, apparently, you know, getting clean. So, yeah, this was his, uh, you know, comeback album in a sense. Uh, he had a real rough couple of years. He dealt with a lot of bad addiction on top of a lot of other things. So he came out on the other end and we're all the better for it. I'm glad he's all the better for it, for sure, it seems. And uh, he still had a ton of music to make. Proof positive. He's put out so many things since then. I'm not going to lie. When I saw him at Brides of Destruction the previous year, he totally blew me off. And, you know, he seemed like he wasn't in a good place. And now I know why. And uh, I forgive him. So, uh, yeah, I just want him to be well. So even if I never meet the man again, uh, yeah. So is it just he's a near genius. So there you go. So this album was called Valor del Cortezan. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a double album, actually. It's double CD. It's not terribly long. Like, e each side's just kind of pushing the 40-minute mark. So, you know, they probably could have chopped some stuff down and whatever. But, you know, when I bought it, I didn't pay two CD price for it. So that's cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's still out and about. So definitely find it anywhere you can. I, I think he sells a download of it still on his website, Round Records. Uh, but, yeah, cool record here. It comes in at number three, and I wasn't even showing favoritism here. And one of the few albums where there's some instrumentals on there that I actually gave full points to. That's how great he is, people. Uh, so here you go. From the album Velo de Corazon, this is Ginger with the simply titled Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. <laughs>
this a closure and just another lie? Cause if it's just a lie, then it's the final time I'm gonna hear it. Of course, you almost can't have a countdown here on Rock Strikes 10 without Ginger or multiple appearances by him, but it is completely justified. His music is legit. You should have it in your life. But yeah, Velo del Corazon is the name of the album. That was Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. And not a simple song, except in the chorus. Uh, the guy's a wordsmith. So yeah, you can take a song that has a simple chorus like that, but also have a lot of great lyrical quality to it, you know, in the verses and stuff like that. So. It's a very personal album, and I definitely recommend it. It's great. Okay, get all that glomming aside about Ginger. We're moving on to the number two album of 2005. This album came out on May 17th of 2005. It was this band's fourth studio album. This album kind of sort of had the unenviable task of following up a monster record, even though they put out an album between this, but it was kind of seen as kind of like a, uh, you know, these are just kind of the leftovers from the previous album. Maybe you know where I'm going with this. This is an even bigger hint. Co-produced by Darren Malakian and Rick Rubin. Topped off at number one in the United States, Australian, Canada, and New Zealand album charts. Yes, I'm talking about System of a Down, their album Mesmerize. And you're probably asking yourself, Joey, did you count the uh, other album? No, no, I did not. Because uh, even though that one did come out in 2005, that album was definitely not worthy of even being in the top 40 uh, that what is it hypnotize yeah hypnotize that thing i i've given it plenty of chances and it's just not very good like it's it definitely reeks of being all the rejects from this album mesmerize however is a great record mesmerize is a damn near perfect album it's got like one ho-hum song on there but even like a half pointer uh so i think it's scored like in the 95 to 97 range or something like that uh, but yeah, this album is great. It's the true sequel to Toxicity. And like I said, the album that they put out between Toxicity and this was Steal This Album, which was definitely just, you know, stuff that didn't get put on Toxicity. I heard they wanted to make Toxicity a double also. And, uh, you know, the record company stepped in. And honestly, that was a good move. In this case, I maybe would have substituted one song out from Hypnotize and put it on Mesmerize. And that would have probably made it a perfect album. But that all being said, once again, this is a killer quality album the true follow-up to toxicity pretty much equal in its greatness honestly i i can't honestly say that it's not it's it's like the argument that megadeth fans have with p-cells versus rest in peace they're both great they're probably both perfect but for kind of different reasons anyway but yeah this album that's great mesmerize system of a down let's get into it right here 
I played this song on the show years ago, but to me, this is like the true peak of the album. This is Question. Honestly, especially uh, my criticism of the Hypnotize album had to do a lot with, I feel like Darren just almost became like the lead singer of the band. Uh, But to me, like the song like Question that you just heard right there is a perfect example of how him and Serge can just lock in and be a true team. There's a lot of sounds of unity on Mesmerize as opposed to Hypnotize. That's another reason why it's the better album. And that's another reason why it's the number two album of 2005, in my opinion. So yeah, hope you enjoyed that. And now it's time for the number one album 
of 2005, according to me, myself, and I, Joey here, your fearless host at Rock Strikes 10. And I really hope this doesn't upset people. Uh, not that I think you're not going to like this at all, but uh, it's just one of those things that you may not know it. <laughs> and I apologize. I was not trying to be like, oh, listen to me. I, I know things that you don't. I'm not trying to be like that. If you know anything about me, you know that I don't try to be too much of a snob or elitist or what have you. I, I, I don't even remember how I found this album. I think I actually even got it like on a promo or something or uh, you know, it might have, honestly, it might have even been hearing it like on like cable radio, you know, like on the satellite or whatever, like, you know, digital cable, they have the radio channels and stuff. I think I actually heard a song of theirs on that and then ordered the album. I think I actually did buy the album. Uh, but anyway, going to peel some layers out on this record here before we get to it. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a one and done. This band only put out one album. They put out an EP prior to it to kind of, you know, get people ready maybe and hopefully build some hype for the full length album because for the most part the ep had the same songs on it you know it's just really sad because this band really has everything it takes in my opinion to be just a classic band that puts out like a ton of great records and everybody knows them and everybody likes them no matter what kind of genre you're into uh, and this band really did have it and i say all that up front because you know i could have picked a whole bunch of different songs from this record uh, but like a few of the other albums on this countdown, playing one song on this album doesn't represent the entire album. This album has a real schizophrenic sound to it, but in, in, it's different even on top of that because it almost kind of sounds like four or five different bands with the exception of the singer. There's like two songs on here that sound like classic T-Rex. And there's two songs on here that sound like Thin Lizzy. And there's two songs on here that sound like 70s Judas Priest. Not not like Screaming for Vengeance, but like the 70s, like Sin After Sin, you know, Hellbent for Leather kind of Judas Priest. Uh, yeah, that kind. So it's really all over the place, but it's got a lot of great influence on it. And uh, man, I just, I can't say enough great things about this album. And I, 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 this is not a shoved in number one to try to get some attention or anything. This is purely from the heart. I scored this album at 100 points. It's the only album in this entire year that I listened to, and I listened to a lot of them. It's the only album that got 100 points. To me, every song on here is pretty great. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect rock album for me. I'm sure it's readily available, you know, on downloading platforms, and you, you could probably find the CD pretty cheap, honestly, online, and even maybe in some of the secondhand stores. Uh, but yeah, do not sleep on this album any more than you have to. It's been 15 years People need to finally wake up to this album. The band is called The Diamond Knights. The album is called Popsicle. It was produced by Tom Clapp. And, uh, you know, just kind of for middle ground here, I was almost kind of tempted to play some of the pre-sounding songs on there. But uh, this is actually probably one of my favorite overall songs on here. I think the ones that sound like Thin Lizzy are the best songs on the album, which is the, the first song, Destination Diamonds. Great opener. I probably should have played that. I played it on the show years ago. Uh, but this one right here, I really like this one a lot. Kind of the peak of the album right here, kind of near the end. Uh, but this one's great. So check it out. This is from the number one album in 2005. Once again, the album is Popsicle. The band is called The Diamond Knights. This is Dirty Thief. Bitch's bad news and she couldn't be good. You know she's got a crooked tickle romance. You shouldn't take your diamond pen and put your phone in when she gets a chance. If she leaves a man in misery, it ain't enough for her to just 
in at number one here after the long haul we counted down the top 40 records of 2005 we finished it off with what i consider to be the best album of 2005 a perfect album by the band the diamond knights and that's uh, spelled as in night and day uh, the album is popsicle their one and only album and the song you heard was called dirty thief but just go get this record wherever you can find it wherever you can get it it's amazing and it's got all these different elements of what I love about rock and roll. And yeah, I, I kind of even heard some elements of like, you know, bands like the Hold Steady and stuff like that in there. So it's it's for the young and old alike. So yeah, just get it. It's great. And uh, man, hope that's what you think about the show. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's been a long haul here putting this 2005 thing together when i do these year retrospectives or even decade retrospectives. It takes a long time, a lot of man hours. It's a pleasure to listen to the albums for sure, for the most part, don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, it just takes a long time to do it. So I hope this was a decent payoff. And if I turned you on to something new, please, of course, send me a message. I love all your messages and your emails. Don't stop doing them. And uh, yeah, if 2005 proved anything, especially for me personally, uh, to quote one of my all-time favorite podcasts, Rock is not dead, it's hiding. But yeah, it really was proof, especially in a year like this in 2005, you know, 
some of these albums did have some chart success and, and some of these bands are, are well known but for the most part if you want to find the best albums out there nowadays especially for rock and roll hard rock and metal and punk in general you damn near got to be an archaeologist because uh you know it's out there and uh it deserves to be heard and it deserves to be talked about so yeah that's all i can really say Thanks again for tuning in to all these episodes. And because I'm stupid, I'm going to actually probably be doing another one of these retrospectives for a retro year uh, before the end of the year. So I got two more of these to go before the end of the year. So wish me luck. They will happen. Until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, and the plugs, and the greatest damn outro song in all of the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message us for more details or to order. U.S. or APO boxes only, for now. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all of the episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, please check out our other quality shows, including... The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast, with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.